one of the assignments that is typically given in elementary school, you get to school in the fall and you have to write a story on how I spent my summer vacation. Um, imagine spending your summer vacation in the jungles of Peru. Amazon jungles for a couple of months. That's why I've asked Josh and Shannon Loring to uh, share their summer vacation story um, with us this evening. We're going to hear about how God has been working uh, through their lives and through the lives of missionaries in, um, in the in inner jungles of the Amazon. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. El Espíritu de Dios está en este lugar. El Espíritu de Dios se mueve en este lugar. Está aquí para consolar. Está aquí para liberar. Está aquí para guiar. El Espíritu de Dios está aquí. All around the world, people are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ in many different languages. And I was just singing a worship song in Spanish that Joshua and I sang this summer down in Peru. If you can speak and understand both the Spanish that I was singing, or I was trying to sing, and the English that we just were worshiping the Lord in tonight, you've got a precious gift, um, precious gift that you can speak to about Jesus Christ to all the more people. Will you join with me in prayer over our evening? Lord, you have given us a voice to praise you, to describe you, to be a witness of you, and to, to share our hope of other, to others of you. Help us to be faithful to you and your leading of our lives. Be faithful, Heavenly Father, Father to use these pictures of Peru, um, those who we introduce tonight, the stories that we share. Um, bring inspiration and excitement for what you're doing in other places in our world. Help us to respond and to go out to our world in need of your love and hope. Amen. My husband and I were immersed into Spanish this summer as we spent the month of June and the month of July in the jungles of northern Peru. Peru is the third largest country in South America. And we spent one month in Iquitos, Peru, and then we went down um, further to Pocalpa, Peru to spend the last month in Pocalpa. Neither of us knew Spanish very fluently, although Joshua could get by fairly well. But as we interacted with our brothers and sisters, Peruvian brothers and sisters, we saw the beauty of being a part of the larger body of Christ and the unity of Christ that covers over language and living differences was amazing. What a blessing to work beside so many pastors and laymen and women fixing up or building churches. We loved worshiping with them and hearing them teach and preach God's word. We saw second generation ministers preparing for pastoring churches just as their parents had prepared for and in some cases not too, much, uh, not too many years ago themselves they had prepared. And what a privilege it was interacting with Peruvians throughout our day, our moto taxi drivers, that was our main source of transportation, um, the hotel employees, those selling their goods out on the street. We pray that we showed them Jesus, we spoke of Jesus, and we pray that, that at least made them aware of the Nazarene churches that are in their area that are, that are ministering in the name of Jesus. 
It was also an honor working with um, two seasonal missionaries, Dr. Larry and Addie Garman. If any of you have ever heard them speak in your church or anywhere, you probably remember the Garmans. Um, Joshua and, and my time there seemed just like a drop in the bucket of life, really. In many ways, we were just observers, um, participating a bit with our hearts and our hands. Um, but the Nazarene Peruvians there, they have a wonderful history and continue to be fruitful with the message of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And we want to be faithful to you tonight to share a little bit about our experience down there. And Joshua is going to take it from here. Good evening. It's uh, definitely an honor to be able to be here tonight. Uh, we count this as a privilege to share. In 99, as I was exploring the call the Lord gave me to missions, I uh, was looking through the scriptures, trying to understand what that, what that entailed. And he led me to a verse in Romans uh, 15, uh, verse 21, that Paul used from Isaiah 52, 15. And it says, um, Rather it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And I think that kind of encompasses and surrounds my whole calling to missions, that people out there that have not heard the gospel, even in this century, and so I think that's basically where the Lord's calling me to go. Um, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You know, every time I think about that, I, um, I, I picture these five missionaries that have had a huge impact on the church and on the world. Um, have any of you seen At the End of the Spear? The movie was recently released in May. It gives you a picture of where we were. Um, it's pretty accurate as far as how they still live today in the villages and stuff. Not much has changed in the last 50 or so years. Um, but as though uh, Shannon and I didn't work in Ecuador or with the Wyodani Indians, um, we were in that general area about a few hundred miles south of that area where that tragic yet God-honoring event took place. But in the Amazon Peru today, we have over 200 Nazarene churches among the Aguaruna Indian people who have very similar customs and uh, dress and, and styles as the Wyodani. We also have a Bible college there that trains many students for ministry. Uh, there's also a uh, clinic course there that they can study at. They choose 10 of the best students every year to study at the clinic. And then there's three districts, the Amazon, the Laredo, and the Pocalpa district. All this work is indigenous. And uh, it's just been a, a marvelous thing how the Lord has blessed this work. The Garmins still go there. They retired about five years ago after spending 40 years of their life there. But they continue to go back, taking teams to build uh, churches and such. Well, my time's short. So I just want to share with you one of my heroes of the faith from the Amazon jungle. His name is Pastor Miguel Herdebosch. And he is also a father. His uh, wife's name is Jenny. His oldest son is Junio, his oldest daughter is Catherine, and his youngest son is Josue. When I was in Iquitos in 2002, uh, Pastor Miguel was pastoring a small church called Amedicus Church of the Nazarene. Well, since I'd been there, um, he had trained his youth pastor to take over that church, and he took over the cleanest church of the Nazarene where a pastor had, had walked out. Um, Miguel is, is at it again in cleanest. He's got a, a master mason carpenter builder guy there that he's been discipling and this guy has been employed by our church to build our last six churches um, he uh, his name is Sergio 
And during this time of discipling, so he's felt a call to, to ministry and to be a pastor. And so the second church that we built, his sixth church for us, was actually to be his church. And you could see how it, it just how humbled he was by the whole experience and just his interaction with the community there. Just the people drew to him, and it's just going to be awesome. Him and his wife, Estefeta, shall do very well in Violeta Correa, Church of the Nazarene. And just so you know, the month that we were in Iquitos, three teams came. One was from Oklahoma, another from Ohio, and the third one was a Baptist team from Virginia. They come down quite regularly and build a Nazarene churches for us. They just enjoy being involved in, in that area. Uh, with their help and the help of Sergio, we were able to build two new churches. We were able to extend the front of another church six feet. We painted a church that was finished two years before, and we did a lot of work at the uh, district office. Uh, it's just an amazing thing to see. Well, another thing we did, Shannon and I, we took a trip to uh, Parte de Cocha to visit a church that was planted in 2002. I wanted to see how that was doing. And just so you get an idea, Iquitos is a fairly large city, 500 to 800,000 people. For being in the jungle, it's pretty large. But it's surrounded by water on three sides. The Nainai comes around the, the west side and wraps around the north of it. And the Amazon comes in up the east side and connects at the north with the Nainai. And so the only way to get there is you fly in or you take a boat from the nearest highway, which will take you five days from Pocalpa on boat in the river. Um, but to get to Padre Culture, what you want to do is you, you take a motor taxi that you seen earlier north to the end of town where Nye and I and the Amazon connect. Then you'll take a little wooden boat from there, and it has this long, it has a, like a, a lawnmower engine on the back with a long propeller coming out. You see it there, and then a, a, a prop, and uh, they'll take you up the Nye and I, and your, your captain, he might be 12 years old, um, and you'd go up the Nye and I for about 45 minutes, and they'll let you off. Uh, you tell them you're going to part of the culture, and if you said it right, you get to the right spot, and you walk 10 minutes to the church. Um, uh, Pastor Manuel leads the church, and he, in uh, part of the culture, and he's equivalent to a first-year Bible college student that received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in the year 2002. He's been discipled by the pastor of the district church, and he's been taking extension courses. But for him to take those extension courses, He's got to take that river back down and a motor taxi over to the district office, which takes him about an hour and a half and costs him about $2 one way. He, uh, he averages about $50 a month if he's, if he's lucky and through the church and through side jobs that he does. So it's kind of difficult. The district helps him out where they can. And so he, he makes the best of it. It's a, it's a good thing going on there at the studies. A lot of his congregation didn't show up that morning. They, uh, they had a celebration in the town. The village are celebrating their anniversary. And so a lot of the church people thought it would be better to go to the celebration. That doesn't happen all the time. We can go to church next week. So there's only three or four of us in the service. His wife was sick with dengue fever. And uh, it's spread by mosquitoes. It's, some say it's worse than malaria. I don't know. I don't want to know. Um, but we prayed for her. And, and uh, we prayed over the church. And as we left, Shannon and I, we, we talked and we thought... You know, we, we need to evangelize this community, help them out a little bit. You know, give this pastor some help. We thought about bringing the Jesus film. So we talked to Pastor Miguel, who is the only one um, trained to use it and authorized to take this equipment around. And he thought it was a great idea. And Dr. Garman said it would be great. And he even said we could take the Oklahoma team if we wanted. Uh, kind of dangerous because that means we'd have to come back at night, an hour trip on the river. And a lot of the nationals don't travel the rivers at night because if something does happen, 
it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation. But all the same, we did go. We went, we set, half the team set up the equipment, and the other half visited and invited people. And we shared a movie. It was a Christian film about a, a couple with two teenage kids. By the time it got to the end, um, they had two teenage kids. And just all the struggles that they went through in life and how life was so difficult for them without Christ. And it really met the people where they were because they, they, they struggled with this, you know, relationships. Do I get married? You know, how do, I, how do I provide for my family? How do I be a good father? How do I be a good mother? A lot of things they struggled with. Um, low education there. And then it showed them each one received Christ in different ways and how brought their family back together and, and brought a love that was never, ever evident in that family. And so it was a great ministry tool. After that, Pastor Miguel, he gave a short message. And uh, he mentioned that what is important to having a better life is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he invited people that had never made that decision for themselves to come forward and receive. And, and a good handful of names were added to the book of life that night. And we rejoiced with them and celebrated with them and hugged them. And then he gave another message. He said, um, some of you may have been in the church. Maybe you've, you've gotten away from the church. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Reconcile your life to, to the Lord. And... And another handful of people came forward, and we prayed with them, and we hugged them. And he, he told them, he said, he explained to them what this meant. He said, you know, this means you need, to, uh, you need to get into church. You need to start studying God's Word. You need to find a place where you can grow in the Lord so that this doesn't happen again. He said, if you don't have a church, this is Pastor Manuel. He lives here in your village. He's our Nazarene pastor. He's a, he'll teach you about the Lord and how to walk in His ways. You're welcome to come to His church at any time. And uh, it was just, just wonderful. The team was excited. They, they enjoyed the whole situation. They enjoyed interacting with the people. They did very well acting with them. And then uh, we're, we're ready to wrap up. You know, we, we finished the, the task, but not so quick. Pastor Manuel approached me, and he, he came up with a lady that had just rededicated her life, and he introduced me to her. And I said, well, praise God. You know, Lord bless you. It's, it's good to meet you and, and continue to walk in the faith. And he said, her, her baby died this morning. Um, and she would like you to come pray for her baby to get up. And as those words rolled around my head and I was translating them, uh, a couple of thoughts passed through my mind. And the first was, I misunderstood what she said, or what he had said. But the look on their face was clear. Even under three 40-watt light bulbs that we were running off the generator, I could see this look of hope and uh, tell that that was certainly what they meant. Um, about brought me to tears. So the next thought I had was about Pastor Manuel's wife who had the dengue fever. We prayed for her the week before, and she was better this week. She's doing well, and she'd been healed, and we'd praise God for that. He shared that testimony with us, and we were celebrating that. And then also, when we got to the village that night, he shared with us that his son had come down with malaria. Just one tack after another. And uh, half the group had went to his house and we laid hands on his son. And his son that evening was feeling well enough to even come to the movie. And we, we rejoiced with that. And I thought maybe these are some contributing factors. The problem was is I didn't know how to respond to come and raise my baby that died this morning. The team and I were ready to leave. We had accomplished everything that was planned. The Lord showed up in a big way and really, really blessed and anointed the time. Um, the equipment was almost all packed. And the red-eyed team had just sat through an hour and a half movie that they didn't understand one word of. 
fortunately, the, the descriptions and stuff in the movie were very clear. Um, they, so they did get something out of it. But to be honest, I was scared. I thought I lived with a mindset of eternity and a heart for ministry, but at this point, I was ready to run. I, I wanted to go home. It was dark. But the Holy Spirit held me together, and I, I praise God for the strength He gave me. And I dug real deep down from all the scriptures I could think of and all the training that I'd had with Dr. Gailey and in missions and all the experiences of being overseas. And uh, I did the only thing that I thought was logical. I, I turned to Pastor Miguel. <laughs> he, uh, he's a wonderful man. And I went up to him, and, and I said, uh, this lady over here just rededicated her life to the Lord. He said, that's, that's great. Praise God. I said, well, she, uh, she'd like us to come to her house. Um, her baby died, and she'd like us to pray for her baby. I said, but I don't really understand everything she said. Uh, would you mind talking to her? And so he did. He went over and talked with her, and uh, he looked at And she told him basically what Pastor Manuel told me, and the words were there, come and, come and help my baby get up, get my baby up. And, uh, and basically translates, raise my child from the dead. And he turned to me, and he's tired and sore, and he'd been working a long week, 60-hour weeks. You've seen pictures of him working. Um, and he looked at me compassionately and just said, we'll go through her house. So, okay. Um, so I told the team leader from Oklahoma, I told her, Karen, I said, uh, this lady would like us to come to her house and pray. I said, I don't know exactly what's going on, but we need the majority of the team to get this equipment back to the boat. I said, Shannon will head that up. She'll get them down the, uh, to the end of the village in the dark and take them down the steep steps to the boat and get that stuff loaded up. If you want to pick two or three that would want to go and, and pray with this lady, and uh, we'll go do that. And so we did. We headed over in the dark to her house. And when we arrived, there was 30 or 40 people outside smoking cigarettes, sitting down, uh, some couple candles burning here and there. And we went inside, and it was better lit inside. There were uh, more candles, and there was one light bulb just hanging by a wire above the table. And there was this little white coffin there, and it was open at one end. You could see the little baby laying there lifeless. And uh, people were inside with immediate family and friends, and people were crying. And, and we hugged this lady, and we prayed with her, and, and we cried with her. And then Pastor Miguel did something I didn't expect. He, he said, everybody gather around. Everybody come here, come closer. And people from outside started filling in the room, and they filled in the doorway, and they filled in this open window here, and they just gathered close, and he said, you know, this, this child uh, is precious in the sight of God, and is innocent in the sight of God, and God has raised this child eternally. This child will live with him in eternity. But he said, you that are beyond the age of innocence need to make a choice. He said, you guys need to think about what would happen if you died today. Do you know if your destination is heaven? He said, uh, you can be prepared for that. You can, you can accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he, he led them in a prayer that if they wanted to pray, they could pray. And he said, if you need to talk to somebody, Pastor Manuel lives in this village. He, uh, he'll be here for you if you want to talk to him and, and just share with him what's on your heart. And if you want to understand better to know how to know that your destination is heaven. And it was just an awesome thing. God really ministered. I was ready to leave when we had accomplished our objective, but I would have missed out on God's plan to minister to this community. I praise God for Pastor Miguel and his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I've never been to a funeral where I just showed up and uh, gave a message out of the blue, and I don't think, if, rarely if ever, it would work in this culture. But Miguel knew his people, and uh, he was open to what God would do, and he preached the word with power and authority.
this uh, January, Pastor Miguel will be part of the first ordination service ever done in the, in the Quito's Laredo district. And uh, it was neat to see Pastor Manuel, a young pastor, working alongside Pastor Miguel, an older pastor, a pastor mentorship, which is what I was there doing. I was learning from the missionaries. And just to see that take place, it was just beautiful. And they were growing the kingdom of God together. I don't know what to tell you about what you'll face in your ministry. I see the difference in my life and the life of others as we train and prepare and practice ministry as the Lord enables. Um, the thing I learned, I guess, is be prepared as possible. Prayed up, filled up with the Holy Spirit, and don't leave till the Lord is done with you and those that you're ministering to. I pray the Lord is ministered to you through this.